Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. BetOnline.ag is your number one source for all your basketball info, stats, news, and scores. Get the latest odds and lines, including the latest player reports for this year's pro basketball playoffs. BetOnline is always your sports information headquarters this season as we have you covered for all your sports wagering needs. Basketball, MLB, NHL hockey, right to UFC and boxing. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info, including live betting options and your favorite casino and card games you can play right from your home. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action. Be sure to use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. Welcome to Believe in Celtics, brought to you by Ben Online. I am Warren Shaw, and he's the great Gary Washburn, and we are your host and resource for everything Celtics this past season, this summer, and going into next season as well. Gary, hot off the NBA Finals, the Denver Nuggets taking home, expected outcome, but how are you feeling, brother? I know it's got to be good to be home after all the traveling you've been doing. Yeah, long season, obviously a lot of drama with the Celtics in terms of the that seven-game series loss to uh, the Miami Heat. And uh, then jumping right into the finals and then watching kind of uh, Denver dismantle the heat. But uh, f- good full season. Um, obviously, uh, there never seems to be an offseason now. Mm-hmm. Major trade, Celtic having a couple assistant coaches. Now we're on the cusp of the draft where, uh, you know, it's going to be a lot of fascinating probably moves on the draft night. And, saucy, and then obviously starting with Wimbiyama going to the Spurs. I think we all know that's going to go down. Um, but after that, we have no idea who's going second, third, fifth, you know, so a lot of good stuff. And then, uh, we're three weeks or less than three weeks from summer league. Yeah. So a lot, a lot going on. Yeah. You said, it's said a mouthful there too. And for our fans, listeners, you know, Gary would be out in summer league. I'm going to even make an appearance out of summer league. So maybe we'll send you a picture of us getting a drink or something like that as well, yeah, too. Yeah. <laughs> be in the same place at the same time for the first time. It'd be great. Yeah, man. It'll be, it'll be a lot of fun. Um, well, as always, you know, we got to do our plugs. Um, if you're following us, listen to us, please give the show a five-star rating or whatever podcast outlet you're listening to us on or if you're on YouTube, hit that like, subscribe button, the whole nine. Make sure you follow Gary at on Twitter at G Washburn Globe. You can follow me at Twitter at Shaw Sports NBA. And make sure you're following all of the Believe handles at Believe, at Believe Network, at Believe Sports, et cetera, et cetera. So the way this show is going to go is kind of off-season edition. Uh, we'll kind of keep it, you know, quick and, uh, quick and loose. Uh, the first aspect Gary already touched on. Uh, the Celtics have added a couple assistant coaches. We'll talk about that in the first half. In the second half of the show, we'll talk a little bit about the NBA draft from the Celtics standpoint perspective. A lot of the, the and the, obviously the trade chatter that's already happened, you know, Brig Bradley Beal moving on to Phoenix here um, and how close we're bossing to even maybe even getting into that. And then obviously free agency targets as well too. anything that, you know, my guy Gary has been hearing, you know, in, um, in, in the Twitter verse or on, on, you know, on the cell phone lines, as they say. So we'll jump right in here. Um, one of the major things when we last spoke, Gary, was we were, I think, a day before um, Brad Stevens' press conference. And um, at the time, the very next day, you know, Brad was was pressed about, hey, why didn't you give Joe some assistance? Why didn't you, you know, make things go? And Brad, in typical fashion, he spun it in a way that was very positive. It was like, listen, we still were uh, one game away, one quarter away from the NBA Finals. You know, we were second and third, respectively, in offensive and defensive rating. And 
all these things were true. You know, like these are the facts. But I think when it came down to the playoff experience, we all saw that Joe probably needed um, some some other assistance. And that wasn't to dis disparage any of the assistants that were on the team alongside Joe, but did he just need some help? So in that time, Brad has, hey, he, he's gone to work. You, you got to give the man credit. He's a man of his word. He said in that press conference, we will add probably somebody who was once a player to, to be on the sidelines along them and continue to add, you know, other additions along that. Since that time, Sam Cassell has been added. Charles Lee from the Milwaukee Bucks has been added. And as of today, as we're recording, Phil Pressey, another former Celtic and also a guy who turned coach, is now been added to, to the staff. Gary, what's your thoughts and impressions on these three additions and not trying to rate them, so to speak, but just what can Celtic, span, Celtic fans expect from three assistant coaches and how they'll support Joe Missoula coming into next season? Yeah, Warren, I think it's a good positive thing. You know, you, uh, you know, I mean, we can um, criticize Missoula as much as we want. Obviously, he was open for criticism, deserved a level of criticism for uh, the Celtics playoff performance and some of the stubborn moves that he made and kind of sticking to the three point philosophy where, you know, obviously, uh, as we saw in the finals, Denver didn't need the three point shot to uh <laughs> kind of take take care of Miami. They did it through with through, with the twos and the ball movement. Um, but I don't think that Joe had the greatest help. Um, remember, as you know, Warren, they lost Udoka, well chronicled. But, and you know, and they also lost Will Hardy, you know, great uh, first-year assistant who jumped to the Utah Jazz, did a very good job with them. And um, obviously they probably would have made the playoffs if they had tried. I think they kind of, uh, you yeah. know, tailed off at the end intentionally to try to get a better draft pick. And, they, you know, they weren't trying to be the eighth seed or play in or whatever, but uh, a, a positive, very positive first season for Will Hardy. And in the middle of the season, they lost Damon Stoudemire. So if you're really thinking about it, like just three assistants, two NBA head coaches, and now a division one head coach in the ACC, who was a former 15-year NBA veteran, 12-year NBA veteran, former All-Star, Rookie of the Year. So three guys with really great credentials, and you don't replace any of them. So I blame that on Brad. And he said during that press conference, Warren, that, you know, oh, we tried and we just couldn't pull it. Like, I don't know what that means, whether, you know, you had one target and the guy just said no, whether he was asking for – major money. I don't know what stopped them from at least filling one of those spots. But now I think they finally saw through and learned the hard way that you can't have a staff that's inexperienced, no NBA experience on the staff, very little. I think Aaron Miles was the only guy on the staff who played in the NBA. And I know he had a short stint with the Golden State Warriors and he was on the Warriors staff. But you, you didn't have any experience, frontline NBA experience. And also, Warren, you had a lot of EMA's guys on that staff. And as we've seen, a, a group of those guys are already hit, are likely headed to Houston. Yep. That hasn't been announced, but those guys were on the way out the moment that EMA was hired by the Houston Rockets. So I just think it was it's astute of Brad to finally fill those positions. I think. You're talking about a, you know, you know San Cassell. I know San Cassell in terms of his resume, three-time NBA champion, a guy who's uh, 
you know, known as a player's coach, a guy who's been kind of on Doc's uh, staff for years in L.A. and now in, in Philadelphia last year, couple of years. Um, a guy's probably looking to be an NBA head coach, right? Uh, has not gotten the interviews and opportunities as much as I thought he would. I thought he'd have a, you know, he's 52 years, 53 years old, so he's of age. Uh, he's got the experience. He's been a longtime assistant. I'm not sure what's stopping this, and um, but it's a good step for him. And I think to get out of Doc's shadow helps him too, um, to, do, to, to be kind of his own coach. And then Charles Lee, a guy who was – Assistant Budenholzer, uh, Mike Budenholzer in Milwaukee, who was a finalist for the Toronto job, but another guy, you a little younger, 38 years old, but a, another rising coach as a lead assistant. And I just think you you, you got to line your staff with some veteran quality coaches, and that's exactly what the Celtics did. You know, Phil Pressey, I think, is an interesting one. Um, obviously covered him as a player in his short stint, you know, a couple years in Boston as a kind of a – backup point guard, and I know he went overseas, had a couple other cup of coffees with a couple of teams. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how he takes. I'm sure he'll, you know, he was an assistant at Missouri under Dennis Gates, who I know uh, from his Cal days, a, a player at Cal. So Dennis Gates is obviously a, a credible, very good coach. And so he, uh, I would assume, that, you know, would feel press. He's a quality coach. And it will be interesting to see how, I'm sure he'll be like the guy who's, Recently removed from the NBA, can relate to some of those younger younger guys. I think, I mean, Phil might be 32 now, something like that. So he'll he'll be the guy that will be doing probably doing the most, like working with the guys and 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 really kind of just building his resume up, you know, in in, in terms of trying to be an NBA coach. And remember, uh, his father, uh, Paul Pressey, was former NBA player and longtime NBA assistant coach. So. Uh, he he comes from a good pedigree of coaching uh, with, with with his with his father Paul, um, so I think it's a positive move, Warren. Uh, I think they need to add another one. I think they need to add a big man coach. Uh, mm-hmm. We'll see how that goes. Um, you know, someone who can work with Rob because I think Rob needs real development and on his offensive game. And I think they need someone who can kind of bond with Robert and just be like you know. And it could be someone from last year's staff. They've had a couple of guys. From last year's staff still coming back, um, kind of the back of the bench guys, in the, in the second row guys you call them. Um, but I think honestly, Warren, for uh, it was a good, it's a good start to the offseason for the Celtics. I think they acknowledge that they probably made a mistake by not adding to the staff, and they needed to. They needed to get quality known assistants. Like we, we you know, I like the the, the EMA guys were good, the Ben Sullivan's, uh, Aaron Miles. Uh, a good a good young coach Mike Moser is going to be a, a rising coach yeah. um but you need guys that Jason and Jalen can look to and have the full respect for they're going to know who Sam Cassell is if they don't know him from his Rockets days they daily know him probably later in his career they know him from his uh since outlawed gesture uh <laughs> as a player uh you know <laughs> uh he had a, a gesture that was uh one one once upon a time in the league acceptable maybe 15 years ago it was an acceptable gesture uh after making a big play and now it's <laughs> it will get you fined uh, first time i ever saw that was in the movie major league so yeah. you know he kind of took it from there but i don't we, we all if you know you know <laughs> yeah if it gets you now i'll get you fined but that's been you know kind of i remember cassell was one of the first ones to do that in the nba game but 
I think it's a good start, Warren, for their offseason. We'll see about personnel and all that stuff, but you gotta you gotta pad the coaching staff with experience. You gotta give Joe some help. And then also hope Joe makes that um leap from first year to second year yeah. to where he can be more savvy and in situations and learn from some of the mistakes he made his first year. So you had mentioned something and, you know, we won't belabor this too quick, too much, but you said Phil most likely probably picks as a guy that will do some of the day-to-day stuff with the guys. Charles comes in as basically the associate head coach, I believe. So basically assessingly the number two, Sam comes in, you know, just kind of like, what do you think the role defilement is going to ultimately be there to the Sam kind of like take over the defense? Does one of those guys take over the offense or is it really just, again, they're all just coaches and everybody just kind of plays whatever role is necessary. I would assume Lee takes the defense and Cassell takes the offense and the guards. Um, you know, it's, it's an interesting thing because I also I thought that Cassell could be like the lead assistant, right? Like right. he is a guy who has been looking for head coaching jobs, wanted to be a head coach, known around the league. As far as I know, Warren, good reputation. I haven't heard any negatives about Sam Cassell, just hasn't landed a job. And you know how political and sometimes subjective these things are. Sure. Um, you know, Charles Lee hasn't gotten a job. He probably was li- was in line uh, for one. Um, and then Toronto takes a kind of an, I don't know, an unknown assistant from the Memphis Grizzlies staff, you know, <laughs> a guy that you wouldn't really know in, um, inside of, you know, NBA circle, deep unless you're deeply connected to the NBA circles. Adrian Griffin, who would, you know, um, son is in the NBA, had waited for a long time for an NBA job, just got the Bucks job. Um, and, you know, so, you know, you never know what year it's going to be your time. I mean, shoot, Ime Doka interviewed for several jobs before he got the job with the Celtics. So it could happen in a year. So you, you, you would think that both Lee and Cassell are – you want to use this as a springboard to get their own head coaching jobs. I think that's the incentive here. Yeah. Like, you know, listen guys, like we know you're probably not going to be here all that long, you know, um, two, three years, maybe, maybe a year, you know, um, it, it, but we're trying to win a championship. And I'm sure that was the pitch Then we're trying to win a championship. There's nothing like being on a championship staff where your assistants are going to, you know, be, be, looked at differently you helped uh team win a chip you know look at tom thibodeau in terms of uh with the celtics became a head coach shortly after helping the celtics in 08 so uh you could you could look at look at it like that i'm not really i'm assuming just from the surface that uh cassell would work with the guards lee will organize the defense and i think they'll all come together and try to restructure the offense. Because I just think as we saw Warren, the Celtics were far too reliant on a three-point shot. We talked about that in our podcast all year, falling in love with three. When you, when they're going down, you look like a champion. When you, when you don't, you look like an average ball club. And as we saw in the last two games of the Miami series, 16 for 77 on a three-point shot, they won game six and, and people, oh, they luck, they're lucky because of Derek White. Yeah, Derek White made a great play, but they also scored 104 points. Most of those on twos, they actually attacked the rim in that game. But the game seven, they were just firing away, thinking then they got fell behind and fired away even more. And it was just a, a really 
a, a just a terrible um, display. You know, it was just a, a bad night uh, for the Celtics. So I think, and then on the flip side, as we know, Denver shoots 33% from the three-point line. Uh, you know, just was very below average on the three. They, you know, they had timely threes, but didn't hit a lot of them. One of those wins, they had nine. And one, another win, they had eight. Another win, they had five. I think one, one game, they were five for 28. And they still won by 12, 13 points. So I think the recipe to beating the Heat and beating the quality teams is not necessarily bombarding them with threes. And I think the Celtics have to change the structure of their offense. Very well said, my guy. Um, you know, I think, yeah, well, as the Boston Celtics have, and Brad Stevens specifically has made good on his word, you know, they give Joe Mazzulla some assistance, and he's done exactly that with three hires here now. And I think Gary makes a great point. Um, you know, maybe one more to definitely help out the big men. And also, you know, I love what you said because about Cassell and Lee specifically, uh, you know, Lee uh, being a, a coach bud guy, and then, you know, Cassell being a Doc Rivers guy. If they're able to come over here and and get Boston over this 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 massive hump that they haven't been able to get over, especially with Tatum and Brown in that era, you know that does allow them the the path. You know, there nobody, everybody loves winning, <laughs> and so you know when you're a winner, that's when the, the opportunities definitely come up come about. So them getting from under those 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 very esteemed head coaches. Doc and Bud, who also have NBA championships, but they have yet and will not. It doesn't seem like they'll land a job this summer. So for them now, they get to you know come to a team that's pretty well established. You know, I'm sure some Bucks fans are probably like, "How dare you? How can you go over there?" Even some Sixers fans, "How can you go over there?" But it is what it is. Now the Celtics are in, in place now to um, and Joe Mazzulla is in place, and he has to do the internal improvement to get better um, to see where they can land next season. And hopefully, coaching will not be as much of a conversation going into the season. Um, Let's take a quick quick break here, and on the other side of this here, we'll go ahead and talk about, as we alluded to, the, you know, the, the NBA draft from the Celtics standpoint, talk a little bit about some of the trades already happening and you know how close is Boston in to get into some of these other conversations, some names out there, and free agency primers will tier. Here on Believe in Celtics brought to you on Line next time on the Geno segment here on the other side of this break. And on this week's edition of Geno Time here on Believe in Celtics brought to you by Ben Online, Gary and I are going to kind of go through the upcoming uh, offseason. And first up is the NBA draft. So Boston has a second round pick, 35 overall. Uh, what are you hearing, G, in terms of Boston's interest in that pick? Are we looking at a draft and stash situation? Um, second round, you know, obviously not guaranteed money in any capacity um, what's your, what's your thought process here? Is Boston looking to move up in any capacity, move out? Uh, what are you hearing about the NBA draft from Boston standpoint? Well, Warren, I think this is not going to be a draft of stash. I think this is going to be the best player available and they could get a pretty good player. I've seen dra mock drafts. I mean, you know, we could all do mock drafts and then, you know, go in the face. Yeah. yeah. And we could go to FanDuel and try to bet. Uh, if we're going to get number 35 and we're, we, we will probably win, you know, we would not succeed at getting who would actually be the 35th pick, you know? Uh, so you have to go with a group of guys, right? Who there's going to be a guy who's projected at 35, who probably gets taken at 27, right? There's, there's just a bunch of guys, the guys I've seen. The one guy I was intrigued with was Marcus Sasser from Houston, the uh, shooting guard, uh, who has played on a, the, the, the team that made the Final Four, has been there for a few years now. 
I think he could have come back for another year, but he decided to enter the draft. If the Celtics were to get someone like a Marcus Sasser, a veteran guy, a guy who's played in big games, coached in college by, by excuse me, by Kelvin Sampson, a real high quality coach, um, I think they would be thrilled. And I think remember the two way contract. JD Davidson's going to come back now. Is JD Davidson going to want a regular NBA deal? The last year's second round pick from Alabama. They could they could bring him back on another two way contract. Uh, the young the other kid from Florida State, um, Mufondo Camigelli, is out of options in terms of two ways. He's uh, he's already been enough two ways. He does not eligible for a two way contract. So they're going to have a two way slot. So you could draft the best possible player on the board at that particular time fill your two-way slot with him and then bring Davidson in. So at least you have two young prospects on your bench that are learning. And I don't know what they think. I think it'll be interesting. And for Celtic fans that are like, well, it's summer league and we don't have a first round pick. And Hey, Danny Davidson is going to be playing in summer league. His development is going to be interesting to watch. We'll see who else they sign some undrafted free agents who, you know, but I think looking at Davidson and then whoever the second-round pick is going to be uh, will be intriguing to see, like, how they, those guys develop. Because if you're looking at a guy like Marcus Sasser, Marcus Sasser was a projected first-round pick maybe last draft. He decided to come back. Um, some, You know, it might be a better move for him because he's more mature and, like, you know, financially it might not be a better move for him. But long-term, the health of your career – uh, it might be a better move for him that he stayed an extra year at Houston. Um, and he was hurt, I know, most of the NCAA tournament. Um, and, you know, they didn't make I think they lost to Miami, I want to say, uh, during that their tournament run, you, you know, your local Canes, when they made that tournament run to the Final Four. But I think they would be thrilled to get someone like him. They would be thrilled to get one of these veteran college guys who – you know, is ready to help and ready to comes from a good system. Um, and I, I think they would be thrilled with that because they need youth. If you look at the bench, they, they didn't have a lot of young guys in terms of like prospects. They had Kevin Gelly and they had Davidson. Neither of them were eligible for the playoffs because they were on two-way contracts. Um, Davidson's a guy I'm intrigued with. Could they, could, you know, they fill Davidson with, Peyton Pritchard's role because they kind of feel like Pritchard might be moving on. Who knows? But Davidson's a guy to watch. And let's see, you know, they've been working on him with his three-point shot. He's a lightning-fast kid. Yeah. And so to me, I think this, I think it's exciting to be, it's an exciting time. Not, you know, they don't have a lottery pick. And of course, Celtic fans all, you know, hey, we want a top 10 pick. We get it. Okay. But good teams don't get top 10 picks. And Brad has traded all the damn first round picks over the last few years. <laughs> so uh, they were able to trade up to get that 35th pick because I think their pick would, be, would have been 29. Um, so I think Milwaukee has 30. Uh, I think in, you know, Indiana has the Celtics pick at 29, but not a big difference between 29 and 35. So if they pick right, you can get a quality guy who might be able to, if not help next year, maybe help the end of next year, maybe a guy who can, you know, 
be a, a contributor down the road, you know, and, and, and that's, and as we know, I mean, we just learned the 41st pick overall pick in 2014 is the best player in the world. Yep. Right. Uh, Giannis, Giannis went 13th. Giannis, I mean, 12 teams weren't passed on Giannis and the Kubo, including Celtics. Including Boston. Like, yeah. Including Boston. Okay. So the draft is an inexact science. Okay. <laughs> we all know that just because you're not a top 10 pick doesn't mean you're trash. You can still help. And with the depth of these um, drafts now, you got a lot of the veteran college guys coming in. And then you also have the one and dones. You got these G League elites, the overtime, the G League ignites, overtime elites. You got all these, you know, international guys. You have a plethora of talent, so it's sometimes hard to find find that talent because you could think of a guy overseas who might help. He doesn't, you know. I mean, just look at I, I look at remember back with um, the Marcus Smart draft, and everybody was. The guy that everybody was intrigued with was Dante Exum. Remember that guy? Oh my no. God, he's he's gonna be, you know, he's the, <laughs> he's the mystery guy, you know, yeah. the Australian kid. And Dante Exum is now playing overseas. Never really made it. it was kind of a bust. The Celtics missed out on him because he was taken before. They took Marcus Smart sixth. Also in that draft, Aaron Gordon, you know, uh, who was taken fourth in that draft. The Celtics. I mean, the Celtics looking deeply at him and. You know, and they end up getting Marcus Smart, who's been with the team eight plus years, nine years now, and and helped him to a lot of victory. So, yeah. you know, you don't know what you're going to get, especially at 35. But I think the Celtics definitely are not going to take some guy we've never heard of and keep him in Europe for three years. They've got enough of those guys. They got the kid from France. They got the kid from Israel. We're still playing over there overseas. They're going to get a kid that's going to try to have a good chance to make the team. All right. So no, no intel in terms of them trying to move up as 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 of right now. Kind of just staying where they're at, see what's best player available, and then kind of keeping pushing from there. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I mean, not not to be like, could they move up to the first round? What would they give for that? Is there somebody I haven't heard of someone that they 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 absolutely feel like they have to have. Um, well, there's think, there's a money issue in that too, right? Yeah. So I think you know, with them trying to do the Jalen extension coming up as well too, then you Garrett going to the first round, guaranteed money, you know, unless you're moving that pick after you after you acquire it. Except there's just probably not the mode. So that second round with not being able, not having to guarantee the money, as you alluded exactly. to, exactly, right, probably exactly. makes it. I think the, I think the 35th pick for their philosophy and there is probably the best position they can be in um, at this point because. You're talking about a guy, whoever it is, a guy who could have been drafted in the first round who probably just didn't make the cut. Yeah. You know, I mean, right now uh, ESPN has them taking uh, Gregory Jackson, sophomore from South Carolina, power forward. Like, you know, there's a bunch of guys, Trace Jackson Davis, a guy we've seen a lot of Indiana, Andre Jackson, the kid from uh, Connecticut. Sasser, as I talked about, Bryce Sand sends them off from Ohio State. There's there's guys on here that you know Julian Phillips from Tennessee. There's guys who are quality players who just got kind of edged out of the first round because it's such a subjective thing at this point. So I think if you're the Celtics, this is the perfect situation. A high second rounder, 
a guy who should make your team unless you completely miss on him um, and a guy who can probably help you down the road, if not this season, you know, the, the worst case scenario, Warren is a two-way contract. You know, he, he, he gets his polish in Maine and then is re- ready to help you for the 24-25 season. Just like I think now J.D. Davidson probably enters camp and we'll see a good, as I mentioned before, we'll get a good look at him in Vegas. Yep. Um, you know, is is Davidson ready to fight for like a legitimate NBA contract at a roster spot? So let's transition from the draft. And obviously the next, next biggest part of the conversation will be free agency right after that. Um, reports are out there that Stevens has um, and the Boston Celtics have been active. Um, and, and are kicking down or kicking around a bunch of different scenarios. You already alluded to Peyton Pritchard and you know his disdain and not necessarily wanting to come back, not necessarily having the role that he ultimately wants. Obviously, with the Grant Williams situation, Williams had surgery. You know, we should be ready for the part of the regular season. Don't think that will deter too many teams. Brogdon's name has come up a lot in in trade conversations. Smart, obviously, um, big trade that happened in the NBA. Obviously, was Bradley Beal. Uh, moving on to Phoenix, you know, for Chris Paul and uh, you know, some parts, <laughs> um, Landry Shamit too, sorry. Um, but more or less, they get that done. Uh, there was conversation that maybe Boston might have been interested, you know, do the whole Tatum Beal situation. Um, I didn't, I don't really think that was really valid. But um, what are your thoughts and kind of, you know, where, where Boston is at? What are you hearing in terms of the trade market as we go into free agency and even the draft as well, too? You know, do you think Boston is anxious and eager to make a move with some of the names that I just mentioned? Yeah, Warren, I, I, I think that they're going to clear out some space in the, in the backcourt. I think they realize that their front court has suffered um, and the backcourt could probably use some, some, some retooling itself. I think that you've got to real, you got to figure out what to do. Like, and everyone's talking about Brogdon and, you know, this is a tough one because I think Brogdon had a, a fine year. He won six man of the year. He came off the bench, but I also think too, remember when they acquired Malcolm Brogdon, it was supposed to be, a stabilizing point guard who could distribute, could uh, make their fourth quarter offense more efficient. It was like, well, who's going to play? Like, is is he going to replace Marcus? What's Marcus going to think about that? And it ended up that they told Malcolm right away, you're not starting. And they turned him in kind of a Vinny Johnson, microwave, Lou Williams kind of guy. Like, okay, Malcolm, you know, go in there and score. And he did. But there wasn't a lot of other things that went on. He didn't, it wasn't like he was stabilizing the offense. It wasn't like he was distributing the ball. It wasn't like he was like, and, and nothing against Malcolm, but I just think they put him in kind of a, like a uh, Jamal Crawford type of role where he was just supposed to come in there and, and light up, you know, lift the second unit offensively. And there wasn't much point guard that was going on there. Yeah, they, they pigeonholed him for sure. I yeah. think we were very, I think, surprised in some ways, but by midseason, you kind of saw what it was. But exactly right, he didn't so, get exactly what Boston needed in terms of that play creation on a regular basis. Yeah, especially down the stretch in the fourth quarter, right? Yeah. Especially because Marcus did not have a great year all around, not defensively, not shooting-wise, not uh, distributing – you know, in the playoffs, he had his moments, but also, um, you know, some of the 
Harlem Globetrotters passes and some of the things he was trying to do and some of the ill-advised three-pointers. And Marcus was Marcus, right? And so I think they're going to try to figure out how can we become a more efficient offense, especially off the pick and roll. I've written that they should go after Chris Paul. And that means, you know, I don't think you can have Malcolm, Marcus, and uh, Chris Paul. And Derek White. (laughs) And Derek White. You know, that'd be crowded. But I think they need someone, and I think they finally realized that, okay, like, we're good enough to get to the finals. They could have gone to the finals, right? We're good enough to get to the Eastern Conference Finals. We're one of the top three to four teams in the league. What puts us over the top? Offensive offensive efficiency down the stretch. The defense needs to improve, as we saw, Warren. Like, the defense was not good throughout the year. Um, not as efficient as it was in the EMA year. And as much as the numbers that Joe wants to bring up or whatever, you know, the defense suffered at at times. But I also think they need to have someone run the offense, depending down the stretch. And Chris Paul. But let me ask you this, though, from the Chris Paul standpoint, now that he's in Washington and that deal, as we were recording, being held up so as they try to shop him for a third team to get him presumably to a destination that he ultimately may want to go obviously the lake clippers and lakers are at the top of that list right now what would be boston's path to chris paul now as he as he sits in washington without first round picks to even offer washington yeah that would be that would have to be the the wizards decide to waive him in my opinion and okay. then he, you know and obviously he's going to have a share of suitors he's going to have both la teams he's going to have all of his old buddies the banana boat crew with with LeBron and guys that, that that think he can put them over the top because they need a floor general, and I think the Celtics should be in that line. Like they have, I think what could entice Paul is the chance to win a championship. The only thing missing from his resume is a title, and as we know, Warren retiring without a title, retiring ringless is a tough thing to do. And you get ridiculed. We just saw Carmelo Anthony uh, retire from the game after 18, 19 years, no chip, you know, and his legacy is somewhat tainted, right? Uh, well, he was selfish in New York. Well, he asked out of Denver. Well, he was like all that. All he had to do was win one chip, right? And it would have completely changed his whole narrative. And right. I think Chris Paul feels the same way. You know, if Chris Paul, oh, the point guard, one of the best point guards of all time, all that. But when it when it comes to the rankings and you you put him up against Isaiah Thomas and Stockton and all that, well, you didn't win a championship, Chris. So you can't be it. You know, maybe Stockton, but you can't be on Isaiah's level. You can't be on. You know, you're definitely tier two. You 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 know you're down there with Nash and Stockton, which is great company. But I think that Chris has to be encouraged and enticed by winning a championship. Mm-hmm. And his best, to me, his best t- position with uh, opportunity probably be in Boston. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Gary. Honestly, I, I, I you know, and not no homerism here at all. I think obviously the the injury history with the Clippers just doesn't makes that very tenable at best. You know, yeah. in that situation, and then obviously even with LeBron and AD, just you know, LeBron as old as Chris Paul is to some degree, it's just there's just there's always that that risk in there too. So I think if you get with two young guns who are are really really ready and primed to do that, 
I think you're right of those teams that you mentioned. And obviously he could, you know, he could look at Milwaukee, I guess as well too, but uh, I think those are the past there. I don't see him going to Miami and making that, but it's interesting that you're alluding to now because of the path that Washington has entered the chat, so to speak, and now can kind of control the destination. Boston's path there probably comes a little bit harder because the assets aren't going to be there. And I just don't know that Washington is going to be willing to just wave them if they feel like they can, because they, they, they kind of got screwed on the Beal deal. Right. So now this is, you I wouldn't say there's a yeah. chance, <laughs> but this is the their best trade. chance to get any type of assets back now. And Chris yeah. Paul. That has to be one of the worst trades in, yeah. I mean, my goodness, man. You don't even get a starter and back for, I mean, if you consider Landry Shamit a starter on your team, you're not a very good, and I'm not, nothing against Landry Shamit, but sure, I know. the guy who comes off the bench and lights it, lights it up from three. He's not an NBA starter on a good team. So you didn't even get a starting caliber player back. Chris Paul in Washington, like who who's he gonna lead? You know, hey Corey Kispert, hey Dingy Avita, you know, like it's you know, because Kuzma is opting out and it's gonna go for the bag. Yeah. Porzingis has a player option at 36 million that I I, I would assume he'll pick up. And so it's it'll be Chris Paul and Porzingis. So if you're the, the Wizards, yeah, you try to maximize. You can you can use Paul for cap relief because the next year is non guaranteed. You save fifteen million because if you release him by the twenty eighth, um, you only paid him fifteen of his thirty million, so you're saving a couple of bucks. And also his salary slot is on your books, you know, for the year, so it comes off the cap. And you can maybe be free agents and play players and free agency next summer, um, but it, I, yeah, I do. It all depends on what Washington like. It, with new new president, new general manager, yeah. all new leadership in Washington, and, and 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 we know the worst position to be in, Warren, is like on the cusp of the lo- playoffs, but not quite. The, like Washington for years has had that. 11th pick, the 12th pick, the 10th. They, they've never been bad enough to go for a real superstar. The last guy they got was Beal, right? Yeah. Like the the last guy who was, you know, or Otto Porter, which that didn't work out, you know. Um, but those years when they had the first pick and they took John Wall and they took Beal and they took Otto Porter, they didn't work out. So now they've taken over the last few years. Dingy and Vita, Johnny Davis, who didn't have a good rookie year, Corey Kesper. Uh, Rui Hachimura, who has since been traded, like they have just, they have to go bottom. So if you're Washington, are they looking for a first round pick? Are they looking for draft assets? What are they looking for for Chris Paul? You know, is a team willing to trade them a good young player for him? Just for like, it gets complicated. So I think the Celtics are going to have to wait this one out, figure out. But the good thing is, his fate will be decided likely by the 28th before free agency begins. So if he's a free agent, then they can start talking to him. Um, but I think they've got to make a change, Warren, in the backcourt. Like they can't, like, you know, and I'm not ripping Marcus. I think Marcus has done a lot of great things for the Celtics. But is he a true point guard? Is he that floor general that you need? And 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 with Jason and Jalen going – entering the prime of their careers, they need somebody who makes it easier on them. And as I've written, uh, like the Celtics have nobody 
to hit a mid-range jumper. They just don't. Marcus, I looked up, took 24 mid-range jumpers during the regular season. Malcolm took 82. So last two years ago, because I I did for Chris Paul two years ago, the the 21-22 season, Chris Paul took 297. So, and that's his shot. It's automatic. He can hit those in his sleep. You know, it's a threat offensively. When you have someone coming off the pick and roll, you don't have to just send two at Jason and go, okay, Marcus, go do something. Like, no, I'm going to hit this J. That's what I'm going to do. Like, you need someone to do that. So if I'm um, the Celtics, I retool the backcourt. Does that mean trade Malcolm for a big? Because I think they need a, another quality big in the in the you know. I just think I think Brad is just you know the the Luke Cornett attachment. I don't get. <laughs> um, the Mike Muscala trade was a was obviously a, a mistake. It was a bust. Um, you know you got to get guys in your team that can play, and I and I like Blake Griffin. I think he did wonders for the locker room, but. For whatever reason, Joe felt like he could he wasn't ready, he couldn't play in the playoffs. Right. Right. Like I thought, I thought Blake did some good things on the court during the regular season. There was a game he played like 35, 35 minutes. You remember that? But for whatever reason, Joe was like, nah, I can't use this guy. So when you got your bench lined up with Blake Griffin, Joe doesn't feel like he uses him, can use him. Peyton Pritchard, Joe doesn't just like him. Mike Muscala just doesn't feel like he can play him. Sam Hauser didn't understand why he didn't play more in the playoffs. Um, you know, I know they went at him defensively, but I thought the three-point threat was there. And then Grant in and out of the doghouse. Um, I just felt like I just felt like they, you know, uh Brad wasted a lot of roster spots. And you got to fill your team with talent. One thing that I look at Denver. They had, you know, like Bruce Brown, Christian Brown, uh, Ish Smith didn't play, but still a dude who knows how to run an offense. Yeah. You know, DeAndre Jordan passes prime, but can still rim protect. And, you know, he's not terrible out there, although obviously, I mean, he's not, he's not, you know, dunking on dudes from the pick and roll anymore. You know, like, Jeff Green, like they had, they lined their team with veteran talent, and not everybody's going to play, but everybody could play. Right. Yeah, the I mean, threat is there. And literally, I, I DeAndre Jordan played in Game Five. He played in the clincher because they had foul trouble with. Uh, yeah, he got a block. He wasn't even a you know wasn't he wasn't a negative in the plus minus. He no. he held his own. Yoki, I think Yoka got into foul trouble. Aaron Gordon got into foul trouble. They needed a big. They threw DeAndre out there for like seven or eight minutes or whatever. You know, like you got to be able to, you got to trust your guys. And I think that for whatever reason, Joe didn't trust the guys. And I don't know if Brad lined the roster up with guys who could play. So let's, let's, let's play, you know, not necessarily play, but like kind of run through a list of names and you can just say kind of no chance, or maybe there's a path that there's some interest, if you will, too. So we'll start with some bigs. 
And, you know, well, some of these are going to be very facetious, but I'm going to go through the list, you know, you know, for, for, for argument's sake. All right. So if we're starting with the bigs, all right. The first name that I see that is maybe even somewhat viable, maybe Christian Wood. What do you say? Yay or nay? I think that they would love to a guy like Christian. He's athletic. He's versatile. You know, now the, the whole thing with that, uh, Warren, is, well, how does that affect Robert Williams? Because I just think they have to figure out a plan. Like, I think the whole thing, the genesis of this, Warren, is what they, how they feel, truly feel about Robert Williams. Like, is he a 50-game-a-year guy who's going to have his spurts in the playoffs, but not, you can't run him out there for 35 minutes, and he's not going to be effective. Like, this was not a good postseason for Robert Williams. And remember, they really put him in bubble wrap after the, he came back from the knee injury. They put him in bubble wrap. They made sure that he was completely healthy for the playoffs because the Robert Williams effect was there. And I think Robert had some, his moments, especially in the Philadelphia series, but in the Miami series, I didn't think he was effective at all. And they had to figure out he's five years in now, right? Like, you know, time flies and, and Rob's five years in. What do we view Robert as? They have to sell to some hard conversations. Is he a starting center in this league? Is he a backup center? Is he a guy you can throw? Like, what? How do they view Robert Williams? Can he play more minutes? Are you going to limit him to 28 to 30 because of his health history? Can he play more than 55 games? Or are you just going to rest him because of just his health history? Mm-hmm. So I think that, I think Christian Wood's an option, but that's a, you know, he's not going to. You know, Christian, he's going to ask for the bag because Christian's yeah. a, you know, younger player entering his prime. He's he's found himself after bouncing around for a long time. Um, but I think it all depends on how they feel about Robert. All right. Well, staying in that same mind. So we, we got that, you know, we'll keep the Robert conversation at the front of our minds. Uh, your opinion here. I'm going to group these three guys here. Dwight Powell. All right. Mason Plumley, Nas Reed. Nas Reed's the guy I think that they would love to have. Right. Oh man, you and I. Okay, <laughs> everybody loves Nas Reed. Nas has a has a contingent of fans in Boston because he can shoot the three. He's a dog because this team needs dogs, right? Yeah. Um, and I'm not. And for our for our podcast listeners and viewers, dogs is a good thing. Okay, yes, sir. Okay. <laughs> um, Nas Reed would be a guy, but you know, do you give him the mid level? Will he take it? Because I think he's probably one of those guys in the Grant category where he's looking for 11 or 12 a year. He's looking for a payday. He's looking for a big step forward financially. But I think that's a guy that they could really use because he can stretch the floor. He can run the floor. Um, he's athletic. I think I think the Suns would love to have that guy. Um, if you look at a Plumlee, very limited, but can play defense, uh, can give you good rebounding, get dirty work. In the paint, Dwight Powell, I don't think – I think there's a reason why Dallas has been seeking a big and, and Dwight Powell's been there the whole time, right? <laughs> um, there's something about Dwight that, the, the, you know, he's he, – he, he, he'll win the contest getting off the bus. And you see that dude in person, he's a monster, right? Um, physically a monster. Looks like he'll just, you know, go shack on you, but just doesn't have – the skills set to really put him, um, you know, on that next level. I, I don't think they would be interested in Dwight Powell. 
All right, last one. Last one from the big side. Thomas Bryant, obviously Celtics had interest last year. Yeah. Coming off an NBA championship. You know, uh, what what are your thoughts on Thomas Bryant? I like Thomas Bryant. Thomas Bryant turned down himself to sign with the Lakers, wasn't playing, then signed with the Nuggets and won a chip. And he's another guy on the bench who did not play for the Nuggets in the playoffs. Didn't didn't get much run at all. But now he's got a ring, and now he'll probably want to go someplace more where he can play. Um, I think that's an intriguing one because he's he's young, he's athletic, he's coming off an ACL, uh, but he's a guy who works, hustles. You can, you can see the work ethic and the hustle. You know, he's enthusiastic. So, and I think Thomas wants to, I think now it's like, okay, I got a chip and I didn't really play. Okay, now I want to go somewhere and win a chip and play. I want to contribute. So I think playing time would be very important to him. And I think as a third big, because – and we can talk about this, Warren. It all depends on, you know, remember, they signed Al Horford to another two years. Yep. Okay. <laughs> so he's going to be back. And I think Al did show signs of age. Um, and as much as the Celtics tried to preserve him, not play him in back-to-backs, give him as much rest as possible, I think he wore down during the playoffs. I think offensively he was limited. I think – he shot 29% from the three in the playoffs, which really hurt the Celtic, really hurt the team because he wasn't scoring twos anymore. He's not scoring, he's not scoring at the rim anymore, Warren. I mean, you not remember looking at the rim anymore. No, he doesn't even, yeah, he, it's not even a possibility. Like yeah. he's not even he he gets the ball and just looks for the pass, you know, even though he was six feet from the basket that Miami zone. Very frustrating if you're a Celtic fan. But you got to figure, okay, what do they do with Al? Okay, because Al started out, remember, like a like a shot of lightning last year. Looked like yeah. looked like thirty year old Al, twenty eight year old Locking Al. Shots, yeah. I mean, he was just, that first thirty or forty games, and then all of a sudden, he started slowing down. And by the playoffs, the shot wasn't going down, which means he wasn't scoring. He was having two point gains of two points. He doesn't get to the line anymore. So you have to figure out what you want to do with Al Horford. Do you want to reduce his workload and his playing time? Do you want to, you know, have him come in in certain situations? Do you just say, oh, well, that was an exception. Al can still play at a high level. Like, where do you want at? Where do you want to do? Because you don't have to worry about him being in shape. You know, you don't have to worry about his conditioning. You just have to worry about fatigue and you have to worry about age, yeah. right? You know, because obviously we know centers, you know, like your Kevin Willis's and Robert Parrish's and some of these guys can play till 40, right? Um, it's now they're not they're not necessarily effective at 40, but they can play until but they're 40. out there. <laughs> but yeah. they're out there, they can do spot work. So I think you have to really is this like the hard conversation with Robert Williams, the hard conversation about Al Horford. Where do we want Al? Where do we see Al next year? Do we see him as a third big? Do we see him as his playing time being drastically reduced? What do we see? And I think that's how you have to judge. To me, you need, to me, a a dude who can eat minutes, bring in a guy who can eat minutes, who can score at the rim, who can give you a little bit of everything. And and you want to have a three-headed monster at center? I think that's a good idea. Leave your egos at the door. You know, I know Robert wants to play um, as much as he can, 
but I think we all know, and I think Robert knows, he just doesn't have that type of body. Right. You know, he just, and I don't know what to do with Robert in terms of like, do you send him to the that Duke University Center and not be funny and have his everything examined, his bone structure and or whatever, and say, and the doctor say, you know what, he just doesn't have the bone density or his knee, whatever the structure is, you know, they can tell you this is his this is his ceiling in terms of this is how much you should play him. This is what is likely to happen. His career is not going to probably last another, but another six, seven years. I remember um, I covered, uh, you know, like uh, another cow guy, my, uh, my alma mater, Leon Poe, Torres ACL twice, one in high school, one in college. He said, doctors told him, like, you'll play. He came out as a sophomore because the doctors told him, you got about six or seven years in your knees. Mm. And what he, I think he played seven years, six or seven years. It's like Brandon Roy, you know, you know, one of a fantastic player with Portland, you know, came in with came in with uh some knee concerns. I didn't even know that till I found out like I did not know his knee was an issue because I was in Seattle when he was at University of Washington and he was a superstar, but you know, you know, hey, you got about six years on your on these legs. So maybe Robert does have one of those like, you know, you're going to you're going to you know, you're not going to play till you're 35. And not everybody right. does. We, we've known plenty of players even recently that just, you know, their bodies were not uh, did not allow them to play into the mid to late 30s. So I think you have to assess Robert and Al what to do with them. And then bring in that complimentary third big, like a Thomas Bryant. I think that's a perfect addition. Nasri might be a little expensive, but a Thomas Bryant, a guy who's coming in with mad energy, coming off a championship, hungry for minutes, hungry for some respect, and who can help you with the energy. He can shoot from the three. He'll he'll hustle his ass off. Yeah, he can rebound. He can block shots. He's like another Robert out there, and you don't need to play him 40 minutes. I think that would be a perfect addition because you you got to move on from the the cornet and the, you you, you, you got to get some real guys in here. Yeah, good 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 point. So we'll move off of the bigs here and kind of close out the show with you know a couple of uh, potential Peyton Pritchard uh, replacements, if you will, too. So you already mentioned that you know Davidson might have a chance to kind of slide into that role, but from the free agent side, I'll throw three names out at you, and these are not as sexy as we were talking about you know, with the with the bigs. Um, but I think when we talk about potential play creation or at least penetration and people who do something different from what Boston currently has, I'll give you three names. All right, you ready? ready. John Wall, Derek Rose, Dennis Smith Jr. Any of those excite you for you know as a as a oh he's scratching his head y'all yeah. <laughs> we heard we heard his head do any of those excite you in any capacity for, for Boston as a third point guard you know it's not that like okay Wall's a guy like I just think when you're talking about Rose is a guy I think that could come off the bench and give them a lift he could take that Malcolm role. Okay, I don't know how much of a point guard Derrick Rose is anymore. I think he's a more of a scoring guard. I think he could give you a lift and give you buckets because Derrick still know how to score. Okay, he still works hard. They just pushed him out of New York. John Wall, I think, feels like he's still 25. 
He's still like he's washed. You know, they he's washing in John Wall. And I think we've seen in L.A. that he wasn't. Yeah. Um, and so how does when 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 he, if he's not playing as much, how does he affect the locker room? I think he has a, has a real chance to be flammable. Then Smith Jr. is a guy who could help you here and there. I'm not, you know, it was unfortunate. I mean, the guy had a great rookie year with, with the with the with the Mavericks, and suddenly, uh, you know, Rick Carlisle just like flipped on him and, and turned like was just like you're not the guy. And then they drafted Luca, and that was the end of that. And now he's just a journeyman. It's just amazing, unfortunately, how quickly because if you I don't know if you remember it wasn't that long ago but that his his first this rookie year was a was a was you know was a was a really really he had a really good rookie year then all of a sudden Luca became available so I think Derek Rose would be somebody I think they could look at as a veteran I mean you talking about a guy who could command the respect of the locker room a guy that they pre- appreciate and then give him a role of that Malcolm Junior, like uh, Malcolm Brogdon, not six man role, light, Malcolm yeah, light, light role, light mm-hmm. role, where he can come in and get get your buckets, give you yeah. offense a lift, and he can run the offense too. But I, I would pro- prefer well those three. If I had to, I'd bring in D Rose. I think he still has something left. Um, and I just said he can, he can definitely still support a basketball. All right, last one here, and we'll 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 wrap it up here, and then we'll obviously reconvene after the draft, and you know, as free agency starts here, Gary. But you know, of guy, maybe I haven't mentioned. You know, that's somewhat realistic for for Boston for all the various needs that you may think they have. Is there any anybody that you think that they should at least be sniffing around to see? Hey, July one, hey, would you want to come? You know, don the don the green. I mean, Paul's the only guy I can think of. Nas Reed. Um, I have not examined like the full list of like whatever how many hundred yeah, free no, agents. It's, it's extensive, so I yeah, hundred free agents out there. Um, and we haven't talked about it. Uh, the the one guy that will be back that ha- wasn't there last year is Danilo Gallinari. Gallinari. Yep. And yeah, I think that that's it's like signing a free agent right now. Who knows how how long it will take him to get his knees back and get his sea legs back after missing a whole year with the knee injury and what he'll bring. But I do think that's like signing a free agent, right? I think in some ways, doesn't that make Grant a little bit more expendable, you know, to some degree? I mean, you're you're taking oh, a risk, though, you know, because Gallo does have an injury history. But yeah. I think that probably spells bad news for Grant Williams because Gallo is coming back for it. Well, yeah, I don't know how. Sure. And I think it may be for Hauser. But I also mm-hmm. think that Gallo could play the five in the sense, stretch the floor if they want to get more versatile. Um so I do think that that's a that's a possibility. I do think that they'll. I think they like Grant. I think that there's a strange uh, kind of attraction. And I'll say this between Grant and Cell. Like there's this. Well, he's out of here because. But I think he would love to come back. I think his teammates like him. I think that he needs to have some long conversations with Joe Mazzulla about his role. And I think he needs to play consistently. This whole like playing with his head and the mind games that went on this year, I don't think were good for him. Um, I don't understand what he did. You know, does he talk too much? Whatever. That should not cost you playing time. Um, those two missed free throws in Cleveland. I, I don't know what it was. And I don't think anyone, and I'm sure inside the locker room, they it was maybe something, but I don't know why 
Missoula just decided you're not capable of playing in the games. I didn't. I don't think that that was a good for this team. So, but I, and I don't, and I think that devalued him on the market. Now, obviously, Warren, there'll be teams like San Antonio and Indiana, teams with cap space that will be able to make plays for uh, Grant Williams. We'll see if the the Celtics would match any offers. Obviously, he's a restricted free agent for our fans. He's not unrestricted, so he. he Anything that he gets, the Celtics can match if they choose to. So he can be back in green regardless of if he explores and meets with teams and has these, uh, you know, dinners on the you know waterfront with all these other teams with the owner and all that. He can still be a Boston Celtic if they choose. Um, so I, I think I'm trying to think of someone that I, I think they should target like Chris Paul's a guy I think that that has got to be seriously considered a guy who can command the locker room and who can get you need somebody to help Jason and Jalen make it easier for them and also tell them hey fool you get your ass over here you get Jalen you get over here I ain't trying to hear nothing they ain't gonna say nothing to Chris because he knows the game you know I think he should be their number one option. Well, Gary, I think that's a great place to wrap it up here. You know, um, if you've been tuning in here to believe in Celtics, you know, G. Washburn, he, he gives it to us, you know, with 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 the, with all the sauce. And, <laughs> and I can I always appreciate it. So uh, that'll do it here for this week's edition of Believe in Celtics brought to you by Bet Online. Again, he's a great Gary Washburn. Follow him, man. He's 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 been hustling, ripping and running, continues to do it big. G. Washburn Globe. Again, follow me at Shaw Sports NBA. That'll do it, man. We'll catch you sometime this summer here, a little bit after the draft, going into the summer league. And like I said, we'll we'll send you all that picks, picks up, me and Gary in yeah, Vegas, we'll, man. We'll be in the same place, same time, people. Yeah. And we will send you a live. We'll send you. We may send you an Instagram live or something. That's right. Uh, we're nope. gonna be grubbing. We're gonna yeah. be grubbing, drinking somewhere something nice. in Vegas, hanging out, getting a good meal, and, and so you'll see that we're we're hanging out and together. That's what's up. We'll catch you next time here. Believe on something, y'all. Peace out. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.